0: All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. If you guys would, just go ahead. You can find a seat. That would be great. I want to welcome all of you that are here today. I uh, I really want to take a moment just to welcome you. If you're a guest here with us, if this is your first time worshiping with us, man, I just want to say thanks for coming out today. I want to also uh, say hello to all those of you that are worshiping with us in our gym venue as well as those that are worshiping with us online. Thank you guys, man, for packing out our gym venue. It's awesome down there. Uh, if you've never experienced what it means to have a service uh, in our, in our gym auditorium, you need to get down there and check it out. We're using that same model to plant the church in North Platte. That's gonna be coming online live. The third Sunday in September is our target date right now. And so there's a lot of uh, opportunities that are going to be coming up. <clears throat> so I want to thank you guys for uh, being part of that. Hey, listen, we are uh, getting really close to wrapping up this current teaching series called The Red Letter Revolution. If this is your first week with us, you can know this, that you can go on to our website. It's newlifecarney.org. And if you go there, you can actually watch all the previous uh, sermons. They're all archived on there. Uh, We use a service called Livestream. You can just click on it and you can backtrack and see what it's all about. But basically, the teaching series has been about the hard teachings of Jesus. The things that maybe you've read but you've never completely understood. And anything that Jesus said that you read that you don't understand is like idle It's idle scripture. It's just sitting there. It's not taking root in your life. It's not impacting you. It's not transforming you. And in our words for this teaching series, it's not causing a spiritual revolution. And that's my intent. My intent as your lead pastor is that I want to see the Holy Spirit stir a spiritual revolution inside of your heart. I want your life transformed and changed. I just, that's exactly what God wants. God God wants to see your life look more and more like his So we're taking these hard passages We're bringing them to light So that we can apply them to our life And see a revolution happen inside of us Transforming us to think, act, and be more like Christ Well, to do that, today I've got to tackle a hard passage Alright? So strap your seatbelt on Because Jesus said the world hated him And because the world hated him Guess what? The world's going to hate you Wow, isn't that good news? That's amazing Can't believe I came to church today to hear it. It's going to be awesome. The world, the world hated Jesus first, so they're going to hate you. Wow! Just hang on with me, okay? Go through the sermon with me today. Um, If you don't like it, if you don't like the sermon today, we'll give you a full money back guarantee on it. Okay? Get all your money back. You have all your time back. Get the whole thing back. Um, So let's let's kind of start out. Let's talk a little bit about about hate. There's a lot of things in this world that we hate. I want you to consider right now, which is an odd way to start a sermon. It's an odd way to start a sermon in a church. It's an odd way to talk about Christianity. I want you to think about something you really hate. I know, I know, you're like, are you serious, man? I mean, aren't we Christians? We're not supposed to hate anything. Okay, for you folks, I want you to think about something that you have a strong dislike or disdain toward, okay? Um, If you if you don't like the word hate. I want you to think about that for a minute with me. I don't want you to start writing notes to people like, oh man, you reminded me of that person. I don't want to write them a note, tell them how I think about them. Don't do that today. Lay those kind of things down, all right? But I want you to think with me, what's something you hate? There's a lot of different things on this earth that people hate. As an example, um, I know this is hard hard for some of you that are lovers of this, but some people actually hate dogs. And others of you, you can hear you. You are like, ah, oh, how why would anybody hate this thing that poops in my yard and it eats my socks and it does all this, it sheds fur all over my house? Why would anybody hate that? But some of you, you hate these, but you love these. Some of you hate these, but you love these. Let me hear the dog people. All right. You guys, you guys, cat people, this is your opportunity. Let me hear the cat people. Okay. All right. Dog. Dog wins in the main auditorium. Not sure what happened in the gym. All right. How about, how about this? Um, Here's another thing people hate. Some people hate sci-fi movies. Just like, it's dumb. You know what I like, Pastor Jeff? I like what I call the sappy movie. All right. That's the kind of movie that I really like, all right? So how many people, sci-fi people, anybody? Sappy movie lovers. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's awesome. A bunch of, I think, more high-pitched screams for that. And then one man with a beard sitting in the middle section. Yep, I do. So that's the way it went down. In fact, that's the way I saw it from right here. So I'm just saying alright, but here's the last one, something that we're passionate about as Americans, food how many people like sushi, right yeah, how many of you would rather have yeah right, see now if we were in California I would do that just the opposite, right start with steak, people are like, Ooh, sushi yeah, let's eat it so there's a lot of things that you hate how many people hate sushi, you just hate it yeah, alright how many guys, anybody just hate steak alright we we, uh, we had one person that hates steak So let's all stop and pray for her right now um, Alright, no, it's fine I know that some things you really, really like Some things you really, really hate Why is it that you like certain things And you hate other things? Let, let's talk about that for a minute First off, it's because you don't understand it Things that you don't understand We have a tendency to, in our humanistic ways That we think we tend to go to, I hate it because I don't understand it. Other reasons why you might hate something is because you believed the report that someone else gave you without researching it for yourself. You ever been caught in one of those situations where someone told you about someone else, so therefore you hated them, but you didn't really know the true story. You just did because someone else told you and you didn't take the time to research it. That's a dangerous place to be, but that's some of the reasons why we hate. Here's another reason why we hate things. Um, You had a bad experience If you had a bad experience at a place Like a restaurant, let's say Then you might hate that place And never want to go back there Like the restaurant that I took my son to Which still is in this town I won't mention any names, I promise Still is in this town I took him there for his birthday Ordered him a cheeseburger Because that's what he wanted His cheeseburger came out nice and hot With cheese on it The unfortunate part was They forgot to take the wrapper off the cheese (laughs) He bites into the sandwich, bread comes out, meat comes out, wonders why he can't get the cheese off the sandwich. It's because you don't bite through plastic, son. That's what happens. So, that's a restaurant that I don't go to anymore, all right? Just saying. How who messes that up? Who puts cheese on a cheeseburger and forgets to take the plastic off? Um, see me afterwards, I might tell you. Okay. Um, No, I actually I won't. I promise you. Um, So, all right. So, things that we've had a bad experience with, we hate. We also hate things that are difficult. I mean, if they're difficult for us, we hate them. You know, like working out. Some of you guys, you just don't. You hate working out because it's too difficult. Let's hate it. But lastly, you hate certain things. Listen, because they're different. Unfortunately, we have a lot of history of hating things because they're different than us. And in our personal lives we hate things because they're different than us And i'm telling you right now There's a lot of hatred that's on this earth Jesus experienced a lot of hatred towards himself Why because primarily jesus was different He walked the streets of his community He was different than the other rabbis He was different than the other ones that communicated Jesus walked the streets and he preached the message That was difficult people hate things that are difficult People believed a message about Jesus. They believed a lie about Jesus based on what some other person said to them. And so they became part of the group that hated Jesus. You need to know that the hatred toward Jesus was so intense that that hatred even led him all the way to the cross. It It took his life. I think Jesus understands what it means to be hated. He understands what it means to be despised. He understands what it means to have these walls built where he says things, but people really aren't listening because they've already predetermined who Jesus really is. And Jesus is telling you and me, hey, this want to let you know. That same kind of hatred, don't be surprised if it doesn't come your way. Take a look at what he says in John chapter 15. It says, The world would love you. He would love one of you or all of you as its own if you belonged to it. But, you're no, but you are no longer part of the world. Look why. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Thank you, Jesus. Really thankful. You, you chose us. What, what does that mean? Are, are you sitting here better than, than people that are out in the world today living life however they want to? By no means. No, when he says that he's chosen people he's chosen all of humanity Jesus went and gave his life on the cross so that none would perish but all would have eternal life with him there's not like some group of people that are better than all the rest that's not what he means here he's he's a lover of people and he's wanting all people at all times and in all generations to come and know him and have a relationship with him but Jesus is saying when you When you heard me choosing you and you gave your life to me, you came out of the world. You need to know that. And because of that, the world is going to hate you. Wow. In verse 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, Jesus being the master, since they persecuted me naturally, naturally, Jesus says, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, then they would listen to you, Jesus is calling you and me to come out of the world and to stay the course. He's calling us to come out and just focus completely on the course that's ahead of us. You need to know something today that if you're going to commit your life to Christ, there are some amazing blessings that come with that walking and walking in stride with the power of god's spirit who spoke and the earth came into existence god's spirit living inside of you this relationship with god the creator of all things that one day you and i either in death or in the rapture of the church will spend eternity with christ in heaven the hope that we live for something greater than what we see on this earth incredible blessings but you also need to know that if there are blessings, there are going to be difficult times. And some of the difficult stuff is, Jesus is going, they hated me first, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me first, naturally they're going to persecute you. They didn't listen to me. Don't be surprised if you're trying to tell people about the good news of Jesus and they're not listening to you. Don't be surprised. Because guys, in our nation, we're at the point where I would deem it a tipping point. Have you seen a scale? You know, a scale when all the weight's on one side, the other one's up. Well, our country was founded. It was founded on a Judeo-Christian basis. It was founded on Christ at the center, to the best of man's ability. That's what they did. It's not perfect by any means. This is not God's kingdom on earth. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying that necessarily that, you know, we've got everything right and everyone else has everything wrong. I'm just saying the founders of our country established this country on a Judeo-Christian foundation. That's what we started with. Here's a very worldly, secularist, secularistic type of a viewpoint and it's been gaining ground. There's been a lot of weight being put there and there's been you know, things taken away from this Christianity as our foundation and we're at this point now where these two halves are at this tipping point. Now you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, it's not a tipping point. The world's already won. I mean, if you, do you watch the media at all? Do you read the newspapers? Well, yes, I do. It's the reason why I think we're at the middle. Because if you try to gain your spiritual pulse over what the media says, (laughs) you're gaining it off of someone that's trying to weigh down in a worldly sense. If you're gaining it off of some newspaper, you're trying to gain it off of what their stories are saying, you're gaining it off of the worldly sense. I'm telling you, you got to gauge things by what you sense God's Spirit is saying to you. I see our country at a tipping point. Is Christ going to win out? Or is the world going to win out? Here's what I know based on this passage. Based on this passage, what we're going to discover is that Christianity and religion is going to continue to be under an attack like it already is right now. There's a war against Christianity and the freedoms that come with that and Christ being the center. There's a war that's happening right now and it's happening all around us. And I'm telling you, based on what Jesus is saying to us, that war is only going to continue to get more intense. That you're going to continue to see political legislation that's going to be designed, you know, towards attacking the church. That's going to actually continue to increase wars are going to continue to increase where one nation battles against another and they put religion right at the middle of it you're going to continue to see the freedoms that you experience right now in religion to be under attack and actually be taken away to some capacity from you little piece by little piece by little piece don't be surprised when these moments come don't be surprised because the world hated jesus first Because the world persecuted Jesus first. Because the world chose not to listen to the message of Christ. Don't be surprised when these things happen. Don't be surprised as Christianity continues to become the enemy of our society. Don't be surprised by those things. Why? Because the world hated Christ first. So we live in this world though. Jesus didn't call us to, hey, let's combine all of our money and all of our resources and let's go buy some land out in the middle of nowhere and let's build a 30-foot wall all around it. We'll build little homes inside of it and that's where we'll live. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus goes, I want you to be in this world, but don't be of this world. You don't have to have the mindset of this world, but you can't escape it. How is Christ wanting to proclaim his message? How is Jesus wanting to testify the good news of who he is in this world? He wants to do that through you. He wants to do it through me. Yes, in a world that may not listen, in a world that may persecute, in a world that may hate you. But he's going, that's what I called you to do. So how are we going to testify the good news of Christ in a world that seems like it's attacking the gospel message? How are you going to do that? Well, here's the beauty. The passage we just read, Jesus gives us the answer. He precedes this passage with the answer. In John chapter 15, starting with verse 5, take a look at what Jesus said. He goes, yes, guys, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned take a look but if you remain in me and my words remain in you you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted verse eight when you when you produce much fruit you you are my true disciples can you can we just read that sentence starting at verse eight really quick can you just read it with me everyone just read it with me when you produce much fruit you are my true disciples. My true disciples. Hang on to that. You're going to need that. This brings great, great glory to my Father. Um, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So how are we going to testify about the good news of Jesus in a world that seems like it's anti this gospel message how do you do that well Jesus gives us a few things in that passage the first thing he points out to us is this Jesus said produce much fruit now that might not sound super profound but Instead of sheltering up, instead of protecting everything you have, Jesus Jesus is basically saying to us, I want you to put everything at risk. I want you to put everything out there on the line. I want you to get out there and I want you to love this world. I want you to love friends and family. I want you to love people that right now are living outside of a relationship with God like some of you that are listening right now are. And I want you to know that new life is a safe place to come and experience a journey with God. And he says to you, produce fruit. What does he mean by producing fruit? talking about the way that you act, the way that you behave, the way that you interact with the world. He's going, I want you to get out there and I want you to present to the world this message that tastes good. It smells good. It looks good. I want you to get out there basically. And I want you to uplift people, not tear them down. I want you to inspire people and not defeat people. I want you to get out there and produce fruit by being an investor into people instead of being a depleter of people. Get out there and produce good fruit. Get out there and don't just put a smile on people's face. Get out there and lead people to me, Jesus. That's producing fruit. That's investing in the people. That's inspiring them. That's uplifting them. Jesus said, I'll know and others will know if that's who you are, if you're someone who produces fruit. Take a look at Matthew chapter 7. He says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So you can identify people by their fruit. If you can look around on this planet and go, that's a pear tree, that's an apple tree, that's a a peach tree, you know, that's this, that's that, because you see the fruit hanging on it. So should we be able to look at one another in this world that seems like it's getting darker and darker, which means that your light of Christ is getting brighter and brighter. It's shining farther and farther. Its impact can be greater and greater. The darker a room becomes, the smaller the light has to be to really impact it. The darker this world gets, a little bit of light goes a long ways. Just like a little bit of salt goes a long ways, a little bit of light can go a long ways. We should be able to look around and see the light In one another see the producing of good fruit the impacting of the world around us so he says first you got to produce much fruit well how do you do that well he goes you have to remain in me that's what he said in verse five you have to remain in him remaining in christ dwelling in christ getting your mind centered around christ getting your actions centered around christ living in christ here's some good words for you today Stay intent on pursuing God. That's what he means by remaining in Him. You stay intent. You might want to write that down. Stay intent on pursuing God. Stay intent on living for God. Stay intent on being in community with other believers. Stay intent on reaching out to the world and not sheltering yourself from it. Stay intent. That's what it means to remain in that's a decision that you have to make and I have to make. I can't make it for you. I, I can help you. I can coach you. I can try to spur you along, but you have to decide whether you're going to remain. It's an intent inside of your heart that you move that direction. You push for it. Or otherwise, like the passage said, we become like branches that they don't produce any fruit. They get cut off. They get thrown into a pile. They get burned. That means that all it means is that you're useless. You're taking up space, you're, you're trying to suck up resources for yourself, but you're not willing to give it away and impact others with it. You've become the spiritual essence of leftovers that have sat in your refrigerator for a month. That doesn't sound very good. It doesn't, does it? No, but that's what you become. If you're anything like me, man, I want to know how long has that leftover been in there, right? And why is it green? Was it made that way? Who wants to become that spiritually? You, you don't want to become that, but when you're not producing any fruit, then you're dying, you're decaying. You're like the battery, that, the non-rechargeable battery that you, you put in your little kid's game and they play it until the battery runs out. And then the kid's like, it's broken. And you're like, yep, sure it sure is. Throw it in the trash. Because you don't want to buy new batteries. I know how you are, parents. No, you're just like the battery. You open up the back of it and what do you do with the battery? You toss it in the trash. Spiritually, when we're not producing fruit, we're like that battery. You open up the back of it, it gets tossed in the trash. Because you're, you're, you're sucking up the resources for yourself, but you're unwilling to give them away. Don't shelter yourself away from a world that might hate you or a world that might persecute you, a world that might not listen to you, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus got on the streets, walked among the people. He loved them right where they were at. He ministered to them. He didn't care what other people were saying. He did the work that the Father called him to do. So how can you produce much fruit for God? First off, see your potential. Yeah. Yeah see your potential here's, here's what Jesus says about your potential in verse 8 if you have your you version or you got your bible out John 15 verse 8 Jesus says that when you produce much fruit come on we read it together you are my true disciples what does Jesus say about your potential he goes when you produce much fruit did he say if you produce much fruit or did he say when he said when what's his potential then for you What's his expectation? When you produce much fruit, he believes in you maybe more than you believe in yourself. Stop setting your bar so low for yourself. Set the bar higher. The creator of the universe believes you can produce much fruit. And then he goes on and he capitalizes on that statement. he goes, not only that, you'll be a true disciple of mine. A true disciple. Some of you have never felt like you were ever a true disciple of Christ. It's like you've been beating yourself up to go to church Sunday after Sunday, day after day, trying to beat yourself into this position that you think you need to be. You've never felt worthy to call yourself a true disciple of Christ. The potential of Jesus is he sees you and he goes, you have the potential to be a true disciple of mine. That's his hope for you. That's his heart for you. What's your heart for yourself? You have to see your potential. Jesus sees it. Do you see it? Well, Jeff, the laundry list. I mean, it's a long list of things that I'd have to change to be like a true disciple. A laundry list of things that I have to do to like produce fruit. I got it. Be like the good leader who taught me one day. He goes, Jeff, let me, tell, let me help you with one area to help you be the best leader possible. When you create your to-do list for the day, don't create the to-do list longer than what you can accomplish. Now, I'd never been taught that. I'd always been taught the opposite. Create the longest to-do list possible, end the day with things on it so it brings you back to the office the next day. But I always found that when I get, when I went home that night, I was always thinking about the things that were still on the list that never got done. Anybody like me? You don't sleep as good. You don't fellowship as well. You know you're more irritable. And so I started practicing... Finish the to-do list that you can get done. Now, don't take it to the other extreme. Well, okay, well then I'm putting one thing down. No, don't be lazy with it. Challenge yourself. You might give yourself a to-do list that requires an extra 30 minutes. It might require an extra hour that night. You might have to work all night to finish that to-do list. But you want to have a to-do list that you can accomplish and get done. You go home, you're more joyful. You're more focused. You can fellowship better. You're going to sleep better. So in your spiritual life, let me make a suggestion to you. You might have a laundry list of things, but today, if you want to produce much fruit, it starts with one thing. One character of your life. One piece of your life that needs to be matched up with God's character and His nature. Just one area of your life that needs to look a little bit more like Christ. One area of your life that needs to be engrafted into the vine so that you can reach the, you can grab a hold of the resources and grow so that you can give what you have away to others. Yeah. Just one thing. It's not the laundry list. The laundry list seems overwhelming and like you're never going to get there. Jesus is going. You focus on the one thing. You can become a true disciple of mine. But he also drives home a word that I'm going to say to you. Consistency. He says, be consistent. In John chapter 15, verse seven, he says this, if you remain in me and my words, what? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, if you do that, that's really your choice. If you're consistent to remain in Christ and let his word remain in you, then wow, you're gonna produce a lot of great fruit. It's about consistency. It's about the little decisions that you make every single day. Answer this question for me. If you planted the seeds for a peach tree and the peach tree grew and it was just about the time for it to produce fruit, but outside the temperature was going from, you know, 30 degrees to 90 degrees. The next day it was 27 degrees and it was 95 degrees. The next day it was 20 degrees and it was 99 degrees. Is that peach tree ever going to produce any fruit? Of course not A third grader could tell us that Neither is your spiritual life Your spiritual life doesn't produce any fruit When one day you're cold you're, I'm just living for self It's all about selfishness It's all about what I want to do You got a bad attitude that day And you never give it up And the next day you're going I'm living for God I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then the next day, you're living for self, living for self. And the next day, I'm living for God. When you're a ping pong ball bouncing back and forth, I'm telling you, there are a lot of things that are just dormant inside of you. They don't know which course you're taking, which route you're running. Consistency. And consistency is about the small things. It's not about the big things. Let me challenge you with this and just tell you that if you chose this next week to wake up in the morning... Before you get doing anything else and you start reading a little bit of God's Word and meditating on it, you consistently do that through the week and just see if somewhere in that week you're not producing more fruit for God. Meaning you're impacting people in a godly way. Just see if that would happen. I would also challenge you to incorporate prayer. Prayer. Prayer every morning before you start your day and just see if that, consistent, that consistency doesn't change you and start changing others around you. What kind of prayer though? It's not prayer for your needs. It's prayer for others. It's not prayer for your wants. It's prayer for God's kingdom to grow. You pray five minutes. You read God's word for five minutes. You take time just to quiet yourself for a few minutes and see if that doesn't start changing you and start changing others. It's the simple stuff guys that starts changing the world. It's not the person that plants the orchard of peach, peach trees It's the guy who plants the one Nurtures it and takes care of it And starts plucking it once it's ripe And gives it away So that that, that vine can produce another one Start giving it away You start saying I, There's some fresh things in my life And I want to give it away I read God's word And this is what he spoke to me I want to give it away And you start, you start taking in Christ And you start giving it out Consistently Piece after piece after piece So to do that He says remain in him you can also be remaining in Christ by staying connected. Getting involved in a life group with other Christians where you meet together on a regular basis. They'll help you stay consistent. Remain in Christ by coming and worshiping at this church or at your home church on a, on a weekly basis. Making that, carving that out, making it a priority. That consistency is going to help you produce more fruits. We already talked about prayer and Bible reading. Those types of things are all there. Building relationships, going into the world consistently. Every single day that you go to work, going, God, how can you use my life to be a light to the world? Consistent. Consistent in your heart, consistent in your actions. That's how you produce fruit. Secondly, if you want, if you want your life to testify Jesus in a world that hates the message of the gospel, then Jesus said, obey my commands. Look what he said in verse 15 verse 10 or chapter 15 verse 10 he says when you obey my commandments you remain in my love that's how you remain in his love by obeying his commandments that's how you stay close to him just as i obey my father's commandments and remain in his love one of the things you need to know in this world that's shifting like sand is that god never changes god never changes god's static and he's consistent Now that's something you've got to get your heart and your head wrapped around in 2014. Because we're not going back to 1890. We're going forward to 2015, to 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050 until Jesus comes back. And I'm telling you, as long as we're on this planet, there's going to be a constant erosion toward Christianity. You better get in your head that the world's going to change, our culture is going to change... Political issues will change, governments will change, but God and His Word never changes. It doesn't even waver. It doesn't even shift from one side to the other. God's Word doesn't take sides. God's Word is static and consistent. And you've got to get inside of your head, especially if you're 35 years or younger. You better get inside of your head. God never changes. His word was the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's going to be the same in the future. If you're 16 years old, when you're 26 years old, God's word doesn't change. Our culture is going to radically change. Our society radically will change. The attack on the church will continue to change and increase. But God will never change. And if you want to be close to Him and you want to remain in Him, and you want to know Him, Jesus says you do that by obeying His commands. Wow. But you obey His commands with the right motive. Like, don't obey God's commands just so that you can throw them into the face of others. You know, don't obey God's commands so that you can show how holy you are to other people. Please, by all means, don't obey God's commands because it's the right thing to do. What a messed up reason. It's the right thing to do? It's the right thing? No, you obey God's commands because you love Him. And that is the right thing. Don't just do it because someone else does it. Don't just do it because you heard your grandmother say to do it. It's the right thing to do, Johnny. Well, I'm going to do it because it's the right thing. No, you do it because you want to love God. You obey His commands out of gratefulness toward God and for God. You obey Him because of His provision for you. You obey God to stay close to God. If God's static, the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. God doesn't move when we sin. Our sin separates us from God. And today, if you're separated from God for any reason... You, I'm telling you today, you don't have to continue living with that separation. God's word says that if you repent and you'll confess to him that he's faithful and just to forgive you. And in that forgiveness process, God goes, good, because I want you to be close to me. I want you to remain in me. I don't ever want you to drift again. And when you start to sense that drift because of the sin in our lives, you repent and you come right back to him. And you, you graft yourself so deep into Christ there's no, there's no getting out. Jesus can identify with this obedience. He said it with his own words. Look, I, I'm modeling for you what it means to, be, to obey me. I'm obeying my Father. And from that obedience, he faced a lot of, faced a lot of hate. He can identify with you he can he can console you he can wrap his heart around you he understands the persecution that you'll face he understands the hatred that you'll face he understands the fact that others may not listen to you but he says remain in me just like i remained in my father don't give up fight the good fight don't run away stay the course don't be like those hebrews chapter 10 that shrink back don't be like those Focus all of your intention on Christ and run after Him for all that you can get. Stay focused on Him. Stay, Remain in Him. Remain in Him and you have nothing to fear. Remain in Christ and you have nothing to regret. Remain in Christ and you have all the freedom of the world. Remain in Christ. Invest your life in Into Him, And if you do that, you're investing into a great place that's going to reap a massive return. Invest your life into Christ. Obedience will end up changing you and it will change you for the better. So what do you need to do? Well, you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart towards the things that try to separate you from Christ. Guard your heart from the things that try to steal away your desire to obey God. And let me tell you the first area that you really need to guard, and that's your self-image. Your self-image, your identity in life needs to come from God's opinion of you and no one else's. No matter how old you get on this planet, I'm telling you what we talked about as teenagers, that peer pressure, it never lets up. In fact, the stakes only get higher the older you get. I'm saying to you today, don't let your self-image, your opinion of how others see you, distract you from obeying God's commands. You sell out to Christ. If you sell out to Christ, I guarantee you, God will suffice. He will suffice for all of your relationships. He'll take care of you. He'll, it's His opinion of your name that matters the most. No one else's. Submit your life to Him. Submit your image to Him and let Him handle those things. Guard your heart towards the things that would cause you to desire a separation from God, a desire to walk away from obeying God's commands. What are you? What are, what are you aiming at in life? One of the things that you can always tell about a person is that what they're aiming at in life is what they're obedient to. If I'm aiming to become a doctor, my obedience is to the, to the classwork and to the, you know, patient care and to all the things I have to do. If my obedience is to become rich, you know, if that's what I'm aiming at, then my obedience is going to show, you know, the investment and the savings and the taking the risk at the right time. It's going to show those things. I'm going to be obedient to that. Whatever you're aiming at is what your obedience is toward. So are you finding that your obedience is aiming towards Christ or is your obedience aimed towards something else on this earth? Because whatever you're obedient to is what you're going to hit. I've gone and shot a lot of guns in my, in my day. And I'm telling, I'm telling you one thing that's never happened. I've never randomly walked out of the gun range, picked up the pistol, closed my eyes, and just went, boom, 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 and hit the target. Never. You can't just randomly pick up the gun and just close your eyes and fire it wherever you want to. That's not how you do it. You have to fix your eyes on the target and never give up. Fix your eyes on the target and never give up until you shoot the circle right out of the bull's eye. You know, when you shoot the circle out of a bullseye, it happens one little bullet at a time. When you shoot the circle out of out of your heart, your obedience to God, it's one decision at a time. It's one day at a time. It's one little small issue at a time. It's not about the long laundry list. It's one little thing at a time. That's how you shoot the circle right out. You shoot the bullseye right out of it. You know what? Sometimes you're going to miss. Sometimes you're going to miss the target altogether. It's okay. Come back and say, God, I want my life to make an impact for you in this, you know, dark day in which we live. I want my life to make an impact for you. And God will help you focus. And he'll help you hit the target and take the center right out of the bullseye. What does it mean? It means to love the world in spite of the way they treat you. It means to love others in spite of what they say about you. It means to love others in spite of what you're seeing. It means just to be consistent and faithful to God's commands and producing fruit moment after moment after moment, day after day, situation after situation. It's the little victories that add up to the massive win. It's one little bullet after another that blows the circle out of the middle. It's the little victories. Don't lose sight of the victory that you're winning When you're just seeing the little things Don't get depressed about that It's all the little things that add up to the big victory God's wanting your life to make that kind of victory So in John chapter 15 verse 11 He finished the statement That kind of is in between what we've been talking about And him saying that the world is going to hate you He says these words He goes I've told you these things So that you will be filled with my joy Yes, your joy will overflow I mean, listen to this Jesus says, I've told you all these things so that you'll have joy. Then he turns around in the same sermon as he's speaking, he goes, so that you'll have joy. Oh, by the way, you're going to want that joy. You know why? Because the world hated me. And they're going to hate you. And when they're hating you, you can still find joy because your joy is going to be in me. It's not going to be in them. He goes, yeah, you're going to have joy even when they persecute you. You're going to have joy even when they don't listen to you. You can have joy if you're focused on the right thing, which is what? Producing fruit, impacting people with the gospel despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what happens, and obeying God's commands no matter what this world does. And this world's going to shift and change, but obeying His commands. You'll find great joy in that. And you'll stand in the midst of a world that's decaying and falling apart at the seams all over the place. And inside of your heart, you'll have great joy. So know this. My friends, to hard teaching of Jesus, you're going to experience difficult times. What's the truth? You stay consistent, and you keep you keep about the Father's business, and you apply that to your life, and you live it out, day after day, consistently, moment by moment, you know, uh, situation by situation. And what's the spiritual revolution you're going to discover in your life? The joy of the Lord. In the midst of hellishness, the joy of the Lord. In the midst of a world that falls apart, the joy of the Lord. In the midst of a world that's going to hate you, you'll find the joy of the Lord. So please, don't take my words and go out and try to build enemies. You got enough of them already. You don't need to go build anymore. What the world needs is they need the Jesus living in you to love them. And you know what? Let me just challenge some of you in this church Protect the unity of this church. You fight to protect the unity of this church. I think we have enough, you know, enemies that are trying to destroy the image of the church and the unity of the church. You fight for it. You shut down things like gossip. You shut down things like hatred towards one another. You shut down unforgiveness that we hold towards one another. Let's protect the unity of what God's given us. We have enough things to worry about. Let's protect this so we're healthy, so we can give to the world the message of Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord that will transform their life. So, my final thought to you is, are you experiencing the joy of the Lord today? Are you truly experiencing the joy of the Lord today? And if you want to experience more, remember, go back in my message. It's about finding that one area of your life, coming to an altar like what we have in the front of our auditoriums, and submitting your life to Jesus and saying, God, change this area of my life. You'll discover a joy when you submit and you surrender. Another way you're going to discover the joy of the Lord this morning is in worship, join with God's heart that you would pray for the salvation of the world. That you would pray for your friends and family to know Jesus. Pray for them. You'll find joy stirring inside of your heart. Ask God to use you in that prayer, to go out into this world and communicate the love of Jesus and you'll find joy start stirring in your heart. Those are two very simple things to do. Our worship teams are going to lead us in some songs. Let those songs lead and guide you today. Let your heart express passion to God. Ask God to be the center of your life, the core, the firm foundation in a world that's shifting like sand all around you. And you'll find the joy of the Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we invite you to be at the center of our life. We invite you to be at the the center of our personal hearts, Lord, we want you to be shown through our actions. We want you to be seen through our beliefs. We want to reach out into this world that seems like it's falling apart and becoming darker by the day. And we want to be a light, a light of hope, a message of hope. or this is not a time to shrink back. This is not a time to say woe is me. This is not a time to, you know. Get down on ourselves or to attack. It's not a time to start some kind of a holy war. This is a time to but quiet ourselves. Hear the voice of our Savior. Walk out of these doors into a world that's hating the message of the gospel and to love them anyways. Help us never to forget where we came from. the Lord Jeff Baker was a sinner. A sinful man out on the streets that pointed his finger to God and said you don't exist and I hate you and someone met me right where I was at and they loved me in spite of my opinion, they loved me in spite of my lifestyle and they loved me enough to lead me to the cross of Christ may that be our legacy that we lead others to the cross of Christ But may the inheritance of this church new life in all of its sights Lord may New life have the inheritance of the lost finding Jesus. That's what we want to be known for. We want to be known that we're a church that proclaims the good news to a world that's hungry to hear it in spite of how dark it is. They're looking for hope. And may we be a church that loves people, loves them enough not to leave them where they're at, loves them and leads them to the foot of the cross. So Lord, take us there today. Take us to that place that in humbled worship We would surrender all that we are to you. In Jesus' name, let's worship him. Amen.